0: Hello. Um, hello. Hey, how's it going? Well, let me not ask that question, but rather, why don't you tell me how it's going?
1: Um, pretty badly. Pretty badly. Uh, well, that's an understatement. Very badly. Uh, I got fired today. Right. And, uh, Uh, what happened? Uh, sorry. It's, uh, still something I'm kind of having trouble dealing with. Uh, um. I mean, I'll start as 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 much in the beginning as I possibly can think which is when I got the job about just over a year ago now uh I got it uh it was a job which was a bit above my station um compared to uh um what uh what what I was like, qualified for um but I got it and I was doing really well um I was even offered to actually at one point I was even offered to head up the the u.s office that they were thinking about opening up after about six months uh but then uh around christmas time uh and i don't know if this is the direct cause but uh my girlfriend and i uh split up and since then i've kind of been in a bit of a i, I say a bit but in quite a bit of a depression and uh as hard as i've tried to kind of get out of that one of the th- major things that's been suffering is my work Uh I've been publishing articles which are are filled with you know, very very sloppy mistakes and uh, misspellings and uh, poorly constructed sentences and um, and I've, I've, over the past few months have tried really really hard to, to get behind this problem and fix it and solve it but uh, everything I do hasn't really worked until today when they fired me
0: and. Um what kind of setup was there i mean did you get a warning did you get a bad performance review what uh, what happened prior to the firing uh well in
1: february uh, my boss basically said what's going on here we've noticed that like uh in early february actually he kind of said well what's going on here because we've noticed your work has really nosedived and i kind of said that I basically explained that my ex and my ex and I had broken up and uh he said oh okay well you know if there's anything we could do let us know and I I said well you know I'm starting to see a therapist on uh Wednesday lunchtimes that's all I really need at the moment you know it's the freedom to go do that and he said, he said yes um a few a few like a month or two later I got, I something got a, uh, a written warning, and a two-week, was put on a two-week probation saying, uh, basically, I need to just start sorting this out, or they were going to fire me. Um, after the two weeks passed, everything was fine. Uh, well, they said everything was fine. They said I'd improved. I continued to work until um, about a few weeks after that, when I got
0: kind of a verbal warning.
1: And then... Uh, than this
0: and was there anything um, in particular that triggered it happening today rather than yesterday or tomorrow or was it do you think just an accumulation of discontent on the part of your manager
1: um, I think it was uh, an accumulation of discontent uh, and there was a uh, we, we hosted a kind of big event in London say big event we hosted an event in London uh, yesterday and uh, whilst I was in the office till five uh, the main management went well, the, up. The, the guys above me in management went there early to set up, and uh, I think that's when they decided to have the conversation to make the decision.
0: Sorry, I don't quite understand that last bit.
1: Uh, they made the decision uh, yesterday. No, I
0: understand they, that. I just, I'm uh, not sure what it means when you say you stayed till five, but they went to some other oh, place. Uh,
1: well, um, I, they needed some, someone had to, I guess, cover the, uh, the news, and uh, one of them had to travel down from uh, from I think quite quite far away so he had to be basically traveling all day and got there early and uh, the guy basically the manager also went down there early to, to meet people and to set up because he was hosting it and the owner of the company also went down for similar reasons and so I but I stayed at the office till till like the office closed to cover off the day to day work and then I joined them
0: Right, okay, okay and, uh, so it, 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 it and I, I have no opinion, obviously, about this good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, I'm just sort of curious, but it, it's fairly clear that it's not a shock, right? Uh, yeah, no, it wasn't. It's certainly not out of the blue or, or anything like that. No. Okay. No. And, um, uh, when you were told, uh, what was your initial feeling? Um,
1: That kind of deep sadness and,
0: and hurt. No surprise. So, no. I mean, I I I can sort of see that. Um, and uh, what was the sadness in relation to? Um. I don't. I don't actually
1: know. This is one of the things I was really having uh, difficulties figuring out. Because uh, I think about it, and I'm not. I'm not particularly. I didn't really enjoy the job, to be honest. Um, well, that's I, not a was, shock,
0: right? I mean, you yeah, say uh, you fired, but it kind of sounds to me like you quit. But uh, we can get get to that later. But sorry, come on.
1: Yeah, and you know, I I asked myself, you know, well, what would it mean if I couldn't do this in the future? And it's like nothing really. It doesn't it, it doesn't matter to me um, at that specific job. Uh, but I think. I think the word that pops in my head is kind of in a sense, shame. Go on. Oh, just uh, kind of the, the feeling of uh, like I wasn't good enough to keep the job and uh, you weren't good kind of enough to like,
0: keep the job that you didn't like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you understand that's, I mean, it's it's kind of black comedy, but it's a little funny, right?
1: Sure, sure. Like, I, but, I
0: hate my girlfriend. I can't believe she broke up with me, right?
1: Right, right. But, I mean, th- there's an element, though, with this, which is like, uh, you know, uh, I could have... My plan was to keep the job whilst looking for other things. Um, and, and were you looking understand. for other things? Uh, yes and no. Uh, I was... Um, I'd inquired with one place about about a potential job and uh, I'm actually speaking to them next week about it. Um, but, but it
0: wasn't like a, a get, getting off the Titanic kind of energy, right? No, it wasn't. Right. Um, there's, there's a premium cast about a fellow who didn't quit a job that I just posted recently. Um, I will get the reference for you. There's a premium. I won't go into any details, but there's a premium cast that, I mean, outside of this chat, you might want to have a listen to, and let me just figure out where it is. Uh, Yeah, it's FDRP 159, injuries. It's a conversation. You might want to have a listen to that because this is a guy who's sort of planning to quit his job and didn't and so on. And uh, if we, I mean, my experience has been that if we don't follow through on stuff, our unconscious will take over <laughs> if that makes any sense
1: no no that does that does um and i, and I say did this just about... to
0: give you a feeling of control and a feeling to because if you feel depressed it's because you feel you know helpless and contradictory and so on if you can find a way to to feel empowered through this or to find a way to feel empowered that would be kind of to oppose that feeling of helplessness and that's all i'm talking about here
1: no no i i i understand and, and appreciate that and i think you're right um I actually did listen to that because uh one of the other things that's been bothering me uh, is uh, uh since since Christmas is I've just been continuously ill as well. Um and right. so when I saw something on injuries I, I and I kinda of made a connection there, but
0: ill and has it been sort of like minor infection y, coldy kind of things, or is anything whatsoever? yeah. Yeah. It's it's just that and just uh, the occasional aching joint for a week and then Right, right, right. Welcome to being ninety, right. <laughs> right. Okay, uh, so what is it that you disliked about, oh sorry, and, and it's. I think it's important to be precise, I mean in all things, but in particular here it's important to be precise about what you disliked. And I mean generally there's three things to dislike about a job, there is the, um, the field, uh, there is the people, and there is the job itself, right?
1: Right, right.
0: And I of those three, what, uh, uh, if any, or all, uh, what of those did you not uh, like?
1: Um, I think it was the people chiefly, and the uh, there was a kind of a, a day-to-day monotony involved. But that I could have that I could have dealt with. I think it was the, the people I was working with.
0: And what, to, and so to, to further refine it, and you know, this is the, just the bubble tree logic that to try and solve these problems. When we dislike people, there's two kinds of people, uh, or two categories. And again, this is all nonsense, generalizations, but I think it's helpful. Um, there are two kinds of categories that we put people in who we dislike, and, um, they are, uh, uh unpleasant or immoral. Right. So an unpleasant person would just become of a, a bore or um, somebody who, you know, is just kind of agitated and makes you tense or, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and this is not, not particularly pleasant, enjoyable, enriching or relaxing to be around. Uh, and then, of course, the immoral people are the people who are uh, backstabbers and abusive and, you know, all of that kind of army stuff that goes on, which can be very ugly uh, in the realm of office politics. And and, of course management that lies and you know all of that kind of nonsense right so uh so if it's the people i would suggest the first thing to separate is whether they are uh, you know just people you don't like because they're kind of unpleasant though not uh, you know corrupt or immoral or uh, is it more in the second category um i think it's more in the second category right and generally when we go on strike and depression is a kind of strike uh, it is because of the second category It is because of people who are immoral. That's been my experience, and I'm just painting with the broad brush as usual, but uh, that's been my experience, that uh, when I lose respect, moral respect, for the people that I'm involved in, uh, I can stay, but I'm not really there, right? Right. And actually, come
1: to think of it, a lot of the
0: major problems happened when I started actually
1: having to work in the office with them, as opposed to from home
0: and so what um what were the issues that uh uh what were the issues that occurred for you with the people or the people what the people did that that you found morally objectionable um well
1: i found being around them quite uncomfortable because they they were very bitchy about each other um they were always there was always something quite negative to say about someone else um and specifically in the case of my management um, they were very uh they they basically used ridicule as a way to to manage you in a sense they're not just like trying sorry to, to manage what to to manage
0: uh who, to manage me sorry uh, they oh used, so sorry you i thought you were talking about your your coworkers but you meant. Because you said your co-workers were gossipy. I'm sorry, did I miss that?
1: Yeah, sorry, that, that was I was swapping between the two. Uh, my co-workers were gossipy and also, like, um, it's hard to explain.
0: Um, well, what sort of? I mean, just give a sample statement of what they might say that would be um, uh, offensive or you know, not not you know, f- unpleasant beyond just off-color.
1: Well, the thing that sticks out is um, actually something by one of my managers. Um, the guy who was actually i was supposed to be replacing in the role but uh he ended up moving to a different position um he basically they fired some guy uh who worked basically in the american office shortly after i joined the company and i just remember like having a chat with them when when uh, just when the group uh, when everybody at work met up in person for for a company meeting and he was kind of like laughing about how the guy was going through a divorce and like had to move house and had all these other problems and on top of that was fired and he was kind of laughing about
0: that being a, a funny story wow and I just right so saying, it, you uh, know kind of kind of cruel not a whole lot of empathy possibly a slight touch of sadism
1: right right and just kind of that whole attitude of
0: uh nice guys finish last type of thing, so that excuses anything you do to them. Right, okay, so it's kind of Nietzschean, if that makes any sense? Yeah, yeah.
1: Like, like there is no anytime. right and wrong,
0: there is only the will to power, and ethics uh, or virtue or uh, empathy is a sucker's game, which is used by more powerful people to exploit and, and uh, triumph over you, right?
1: Exactly, yeah, that's okay. certainly, certainly a few of them are exactly like that.
0: That's and, a pretty uh, cold and predatory universe, right? Yeah
1: and it and it seems to be one that's in journalism generally.
0: Uh, don't get me started on journalists, but uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about
0: that another time. Journalists, how to make an entire career out of your history of denying verbal abuse as a child. but anyway, um uh, so so this this stuff was pretty objectionable, and i I would imagine that you probably didn't feel all two kinds of comfortable. Uh, saying, you know, that seems kind of like kicking a guy when he's down. Do you guys think that's on? Do you think that's that's? Yeah, a no. Decent. That way was not on the table for me. And and what would have happened if you had? And I'm not. God, yeah, I understand. I'm not saying you should have. I'm just trying to understand uh, the environment. Um, and you Processed it. What would have happened if you had said that?
1: I would have gotten no either no response from them immediately or kind of like being mocked
0: for what I said. And then it would have been behind my back. It would have just been anything I did would have been blocked. And do you do you feel? And I'm getting a sense. And I certainly don't want to put words in your mouth. But my experience has been that when you confront people on their inhumanity, they. Uh, I mean, if they truly. I mean, if if it's a lapse, you know, like like somebody just sort of goes, you know what, that that is kind of nasty. I'm I'm sorry, right? Because because we all. You know, well, sometimes our empathy centers are sleeping in a different time zone or something. Like, we can all have those moments where we're kind of laughing at something and then we go, wait a second, why am I laughing at this? Isn't funny, right?
1: Right, right.
0: Right, so, so uh, my sense is, is, from what you're saying, that, that they wouldn't have done that. They wouldn't have said, you know what, you're right, that's pretty bitchy. And, uh, you know, it's a, the guy's obviously having a tough time.
1: Oh, yeah, no, they certainly, they certainly wouldn't have ever have said that. That was just right. not something that happened.
0: And so, if you point out someone's inhumanity and cruelty, uh, he or she, uh, and particularly if they're ensconced in a kind of cold and brutal tribe, will almost invariably tend to bend almost every effort to get you out of the environment. Right. If that makes any sense? I think that
1: does because, um, like, it literally did go from, like, you know, I joined up, I was gonna be the deputy editor and I was basically going to have all the deputy editor duties. After about four months I had my 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 initial probation was over and I I was given a glowing report and even told that by the end of the year I could be running the US office. But by that point, the project that the guy I was replacing got cancelled you know, that he was going to move on to got cancelled. So he kinda of stayed floating around in his position. So basically my my duties got kind of over time basically pushed to the, the day-to-day writing and not not any of the actual uh, really challenging work. And then even then, uh, when I joined the office, I was kind of put at a desk out of the way. Mm. And eventually, they actually moved the, the office. They, they rearranged the office last Friday. And they literally put, whilst all the other desks were kind of round each other, they literally put mine facing a window with my back turned to everybody.
0: Huh? Right. I mean, this is this is why anarchy works, right? Because uh, when people group together to exclude, it almost always works, right?
1: Right. 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 Okay.
0: I mean, w- and what I'm trying to do here, because I know that you feel down about this, and I'm not saying you shouldn't, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try, and I'm gonna try and do it justly and fairly and rationally. I'm gonna try and reorient your view of this, uh, because I think that you have a feeling of rejection and loss. Uh, you know, like the mothership has taken off to the stars and left you on the asteroid but I think that uh, quite the opposite is true. I'm going to try and make that case. Uh, maybe I can and maybe I can't but just to let you know where I'm going to head with it.
1: Sure. Sure,
0: no, no, please do. Okay, so um, so the the people that you were surrounded uh, by uh, surround, the people you were surrounded by or surrounded yourself with were kind of cold and, and nasty, right? Yeah, and was there any were there any exceptions to that uh, reality? In other words, was there, a, 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 you know, the odd glowing hobbit angel of empathy and and openness?
1: Um, in my in my workplace, yes. Um, I'm trying to think, and, I, and I, I don't believe there is no.
0: If if there were anarchy, wouldn't work. So I'm glad that there aren't. <laughs> right. Um so uh so you're surrounded by people who were unpleasant to the point of of genuine nastiness, right?: Yeah, yeah. I'm, and you and couldn't sorry, be uh... self yeah, and you couldn't be sorry to interrupt. You couldn't be self-expressed about the problems you had with that kind of cruelty, right? No, okay. now the um the content of the stories that you were working on, uh, were you allowed to be self-expressed? as far as your, your genuine thoughts about what you were working on went? Or did you have to kind of toe the line? Um,
1: well, it was business reporting, so it was kind of, you kind of had to pretty much just report the business. It was uh, it was not something where you're, you could really put an, a,
0: an opinion in. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm no journalist, but I can guarantee you, right. I read the business section. Um, and uh, I can guarantee you that it's all in the choice of adjectives and who you quote and where you place things. You can absolutely get your opinion across in any article.
1: That's true. That's true. I mean, I was never I was never specifically told not to write anything or anything like that. I, I'm trying to think if there was any um, unconscious kind of – or sorry, sorry, yeah, not, not explicitly conscious instructions I received. Um, kind of felt like, yeah, if I had written – Actually, no, that's yeah, I'm completely not telling the truth there. <laughs> just
0: uh Yeah, sorry, yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but that was kind of like the party line, so I just wanted to yeah. and I've had some experience with media bias, so um I, I'm not saying that you would be anywhere along those lines, but um it's it's not the case that, that reporting is ever objective.
1: Well I yeah, because I remember I, I interviewed the head of
0: the the BBFC,
1: uh the British Censor. And I really wanted to ask all these questions of basically who the hell do you think you are type of thing, you know? Um, but I felt like that, you know, I felt uncomfortable doing that to an extreme where I, I kind of talked about the details, not the what I deeply wanted to talk about.
0: Right, and uh, Stalinist and Orwellian probably did not make it into the final copy, right? Right, no. Right. No, not at all. And, and, and uh, I'm, this, isn't, this is not a lack of courage. This is a recognition of the environment, right? Because we have this thing, right? Oh, I should just go in, march in there and, and blah, 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 right? But, I mean, it's not a lack of courage because it takes a hell of a lot of courage to go into therapy, right? So I just think it's important because you may have a story about that, which is why you dodged the question earlier. Like, I, I was not courageous enough. I didn't stand up for my principles, blah, 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 blah. But right. you don't do that in that environment. You can't, right? You either not in that environment, or you are, and you don't do that kind of stuff. But you can't have both, right? Right, right,
1: right. That makes sense.
0: So you you could not, um, right? And and obviously, in the business section, the big story uh, in the UK, as everywhere, is the financial crisis. And um, you you probably could have interviewed um, the British equivalent of the Fed and uh, talked about how. It is uh, the um, the state control of, of the monetary supply, which is at the root of these kinds of problems and a call for privatization and so on. And, and how would that have gone down?
1: Well, um, I don't think I could have interviewed the... the, uh,
0: the or at least written an article about it. Sorry. Even but, yeah,
1: you... yeah. Uh, that would not have gone down well. Um, right, right the, right. the only times I ever even came close to just talking about the topic, if we, like, as a group, the, a company went out for, like, a drink somewhere or something like that, you know, Which always turned into far more than any drink, but um, it would be like, I'd I'd kind of mention it and it would be like, I could immediately feel like, oh dear, I have to be quiet about this now.
0: Right, right, right. More proof of anarchism. But uh, let's get back to your problems. So, do you you sort of see where I'm going with this?
1: Um, I think so, yes. Go for it. Um, that I didn't want to work with them, that I haven't really lost anything by not having the job and that in a sense,
0: I was unconsciously rebelling against the job itself. Well, I think that you're halfway there, which is fantastic. And you know, what a, what a great, uh, you know, you've, you've stopped going in the wrong direction. Now we just have to yank you a little bit, hopefully with some, uh, gentle fish hooks uh, in, into the right, right direction. Cause you said, I haven't lost anything by not being there.
1: That's that's an interesting point, yeah. Uh, right, I, again, it's like,
0: if if I stop putting my hand into a blender, and and you know shredding it, and and I say, well, I'm I'm not losing anything by not putting my hand in a blender, and it's kind of true. You're not losing your fingers, but you are gaining, you know, your other fingers, right? Right. Right. right so if you're in a a, a destructive, emotionally abusive environment, uh, and and you get out of that. Um, that would seem to me, I mean, and please understand, uh, we're not talking about the the, the financial tra- challenges of paycheck, to, and I I mean, I, I understand, we're just talking about the philosophical content. I mean, the economic content is a separate conversation, but let's talk about the the content in terms of integrity and virtue, right?
1: Right, right.
0: Um, it would seem to me that you have gained back your capacity to have a soul, to not put too dramatic a point on it right no that's that's very true um, have integrity to be self-expressed to have self-respect right I mean if you're thrown off the Titanic before it even leaves the United States do you sit there and say damn I can't believe they threw me off especially when you know the news right 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 no that's very true it's very, very true. In, in just about any organization, and this is a general principle that I think is useful, look to the person who's been the longest and say, who's been there the longest and say, is that who I want to end up like?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And yeah. There's two people I'm foot. thinking of now, and uh, oh dear no, oh dear no. Well, but that's important. Yeah. And also look at the people who are at the top and say, do I want to end up, you know, forget the money, because the money doesn't buy you happiness, but do I want to end up like that person at the top? Or do I want to end up like the person who's been here the longest? Right, right. Because no, that's no, where I... the organization tends to, right? The people at the top are the people who most perfectly represent the uh, uh, the ethics or lack thereof of the organization. And the people who've been there the longest are the ones who have navigated and been approved of, navigated the, the rapids of the organizational ethics or lack thereof, and been rewarded with basically tenure. Right, right. So it's kind of like... Uh, if if you know if you're really keen on smoking, you, you go to a lung cancer ward and you say, well then is this where I want to end up, right?
1: Right, that's really I mean that's that's that makes me feel hopeful and and makes me feel happier about it. Good um, <laughs> But there, there's a part of me which is a bit worried though. Which is like there's an element where I'd like to be able to feel angry towards
0: T- towards the bad treatment. So we have hope, uh, worry, and a desire for anger. Yes, kind of. Okay, because we can't do them all at once, right? A worry, yes. anger would want to be. I mean, <laughs> we can't invent a new emotion, right? We could, right? But it wouldn't help that much, right? Now, no, is the worry about... Uh, the worry is twofold, right? The worry is about more immediate financial practical concerns and the worry is where the hell am I going to get a job if this is the world, right? Well,
1: the, I mean... To be honest, I mean, like, the worry, like the financial concerns aren't too much because I was thinking about saving up and going to school again anyway. Um, but, and I can always just, I, I can take any job really. And, and as I said, I'm in, I'm in talks with a company doing something very different, um, you know, to, uh, and, and basically, yeah, in talks with them to some, for some jobs that will be opening up in the future. And they might actually even involve a pay rise, which would be great. But um, that doesn't. The worry is. The worry is like, why don't I feel? you know, kind of. I, I'm.
0: Why don't you feel. Sorry, what? Angry. Well, because you were participating and wanted this job up to yesterday. It would be psychotic to feel angry. Like, that would be. You would really be mentally unhealthy if you just turned around and felt angry, right? Right. right. Because that would be to completely ignore your own role in the situation. And I don't mean blame. I'm just saying you stayed there. You tried to work it out. You went to therapy. You tried to negotiate staying on there. You wanted the job. So to just turn around to be angry the next day would be insane. Right? Yes, that would be. Right? be Right. So, you know, cut yourself some slack there. I mean, be curious, right? Rather than I now must program myself with the moral outrage module <laughs> so that I don't have to feel any sadness or complicity or, you know, how did I stay so long, right? No, that's that's
1: true. That's very true.
0: Because um, you want guess, anger so you can avoid your involvement, right?
1: Um, well, no, I want, was, oh, I want... Sorry, I don't understand. Could you explain that again?
0: Well, because if you feel moral outrage you would feel that and and i think i understand the emotion but you would feel that because you you had not participated in this situation right 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 like i mean if if you if you your car gets stolen from some nice whatever place or whatever then you feel moral outrage right if you leave it unlocked in a really bad neighborhood for 2 days it's kind of tough to feel the same level of moral outrage right
1: right right that's very true and I well I I was part of the system of that work environment. And
0: uh Well but see, totally I, I, you don't know what you were and I don't know what you were. Right? It's not like you were a victim and it's not like you were totally part of the system. Because if you were totally part of the system, you'd still be there and you sure as hell wouldn't be talking to me, right? Right. Right. So it's it's complicated. That's sort of what I'm saying. And and you know, part part of part of the problem with depression is it leads us to polarized viewpoints. I either have moral outrage or I was completely corrupt and part of the system. Well, you know, the richness of life comes in the complexity and the ambivalence, right? You hated it and you wanted it. You disliked the people and you wanted their approval. It's complicated, right? Right, right. And and accept that it's complicated because that's the empirical evidence, right? No, you're absolutely right
1: about that. You're absolutely right. Like, for
0: instance, when the media stopped wanting to talk to me after I put out my um factual defence of all the nonsense that was being told right um the media stopped it, it, everything dried up right the documentary and rent went away and 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 so on right and i don't feel any ambivalence about that i'm not like please call me right i mean i don't feel any ambivalence about that i'm like good riddance you know go back to to wrecking other people's lives and uh, you know uh, glad glad to get you out of my house right 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 and and this this I mean, but that's not to say I don't have ambivalence in other areas. But in that area, I don't, right? Um, but for you, there was a a very deep and rich, right? I know it's tough, right? But but it, rich, and you're gonna you're going to want to. Do you have a? You're probably too young for this, right? But there used to be these things in arcades. You would drop a, a penny or you know a five penny piece or ten penny piece or whatever, and mm-hmm. it would go sort of down these little forks right so there would be these these little gates or something and it would sort of roll down one and then the other and there would sort of be a 50 50 chance and it would just sort of follow it it was a way of getting you to give some money with a you know a very small smidgen of entertainment value have you ever seen those those things Uh, yes i have they they had them when i was a little kid okay good it might still now i I don't right and that is the model of the depressed mind because you put a thought in and it's like, well, it's either this or that. Okay, now it's either this or that. Okay, now it's either this or that. And now it's either this or that. And it's not true. The, the, the truth of of these kinds of complex um, situations is is like adding colorant to water. It's not like dropping a penny down a series of logic gates where it's one way or the other. right? It's an ecosystem. Because you've tried that a few times, right? Oh, well, it was this. Oh, well, it was that. Oh, well, I was like this then. Oh, well, I was like that then, right? And it's like, no, 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 right? You you have to expand your horizons and enrich your depth of perception to understand that it was complex. And it's it it should be complex because it is complex. How do we make our way in a corrupt world when we have a love for virtue and truth? It is a bloody complex, messy, difficult, challenging, exciting question. And it's really hard to answer because, you know, if it wasn't hard to answer, the world wouldn't be corrupt, right? Right, right. And yes, we do uh, want the approval of people we don't respect. We want the approval sometimes of people we kind of love. Well, that was, I mean, that it's was something just, that came up to
1: me quite a lot when you were talking. It's just uh,
0: all the times I remember really desperately seeking their approval. Which, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know where I'm going next, right? Um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to take a guess. The uh, yes. The family. Uh, not the family as the abstract, but your family in the concrete, right? So I I can't remember much about um, your family, but I'm going to make a few guesses that they were not people that you had a great degree of respect for when it came to uh, to ethics.
1: Um, no, none whatsoever.
0: Right. In fact, probably uh, more along an active dislike. Totally. And yet, and yet uh, of course, when we're children, um, we absolutely need the approval of our parents. We, we, we cannot survive without the approval of our parents. Yeah,
1: I, I, yeah, I understand that. I could say the food, better. shelter,
0: protection, uh, you know, they, they, yeah. we, there's nothing we can do if they don't like us, right? So we, we desperately need their approval. Right. right. So you can take it from here, I'm sure. Well, And and,
1: yeah. and so I have this, this history of constantly seeking approval from, from my family who were quite abusive and, and morally reprehensible. And I guess uh, this is, in a sense, why I, I was worried about the anger issue because I still haven't... I've gotten through to the sadness about that situation, but not the anger. And I, I kind of get the sense that that's the unresolved feeling that keeps bringing
0: this I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just adding someone. I, I completely apologize. That was a really important point, right. And I was totally rude. Sorry. Could you just repeat it?
1: That's all right. Yeah, I, I was just saying, um, I was just saying that, um, <laughs> where was I? Uh, it's gone. No, oh, there it is. Um, that this is kind of why I was a little bit kind of upset and worried about the lack of anger I experienced towards my childhood is because it kind of feels like I have access the sadness and and I I feel really sad about it. But yet, there's this whole feeling of like when it comes to actually getting angry, I just suddenly this wall kind of comes down and I stop feeling. And I'm finding it really, really difficult to get through that and do that because from what I understand, that's a really important part of healing through this stuff to avoid repeating it in the future.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. And we can we can talk about that. Uh, but I just want to make sure that we we tie this back to your work situation, right? So. Sure tell me, and, and of course tell me the things which don't fit, right, of course, right, but tell me the parallels between your experience as a child and your experience in this work environment and and where um, it doesn't fit, of course.
1: Well, my experience as a child was uh, things were uh, any mistake or anything like that that was done as a kid was routinely brought up and routinely used to humiliate you to, to basically get you to do what they you know, what the parents wanted and and which was done in complete um disregard to the fact that like my mum was just this horrendously abusive alcoholic and my dad did absolutely nothing to uh to stop her and yet it was like if i didn't do homework or something like that or if i uh i remember one time i i uh stopped my mum from attacking my sister when she was drunk and the story became um uh, about how basically I attacked my mom, and then that was nice. brought up against me over and over again, until one day when I was like 16, and walking with my sister, and she uh, she asked me why I looked so tired, and I said, well, you know, I, I I've not had much sleep because this thing would come up for me quite often, and cause almost physical pain. The thought. Sorry, which thing? Uh, the the idea of me attacking my my mom, and my sister uh, then then actually thanked me and said, no, listen, you you help me out then, but. Up until that point, it had been kind of an issue which
0: my mum would use to basically shut me up at times. Um, like, like, what are you gonna attack me now if you would get upset?
1: Kind of, yeah. Like, I can't remember. Like one one thing that pops to my mind is I remember us talking about uh, anger or something like that, um, or be, being angry and, and and something to do with, with that as a little kid. I was about probably ten or eleven, and. I can. Can I kind of remember saying? I don't think I. Uh, I remember saying something like, I don't think I've ever really gotten very angry or attacked someone or anything like that. And then my mum kind of said, Oh yeah, well that was this time when X, Y, and Z. Um. So for whatever reason,
0: she decided to bring that up. Then. For whatever reason. <sighs> well, sorry, is I, there I is there a lack of clarity in you? And so I don't mean to make this funny, right? But because it's, it's right. I'm genuinely it's tragic, and and I'm so, very sad about what you're talking about. But for whatever reason doesn't seem to me a very cogent response because you know why she brought it up, right?
1: I know she brought it up to make me feel bad. Uh, I'm not sure in that
0: context exactly why. Okay. Well, that's good because um, because that's what we need to, to talk about then, if if you don't mind.
1: Right. No, no, please do. Um, but uh, just to quickly link it back to my, my work... Please, yeah. We'll come back to that. Um, was that I remember like... Um, When the problem started happening, I was having real trouble with just, like, spotting my mistakes in my articles. I'd spend, like, an hour on one small article just looking at it over and over again, desperately trying to make sure I I caught all the typos or anything like that. And I couldn't see anything. And then suddenly there'd be, like, a, a famous brand name or something like that, which I had completely butchered the spelling of. And, like, this happened in one particular case, I was actually writing the word Mario for, I was writing about uh, sales results of uh, a video game and I spelt it Marion something like that, <laughs> I added an N to the end right, right and um, it was like a couple months, you know, it was brought up as one of the things that was like you know, that's unacceptable and then it's like, okay, but then like months later if I ever made a mistake in in further articles, it would be like we can't ex- we can't tolerate things like and then they'd quote the mistake and then add or Marion or something like that. And it would just be that, that one thing was constantly brought up again and again and again as a, as something to basically try and, I guess,
0: shame me into performing better in the job. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's not even a parallel. That's like the same goddamn line, right? Yeah. It's not like two train tracks go inside. It's like one train track with something stitched to the end, right? Exactly. Exactly. Right. OK. OK. And, so uh, um, I'm sorry. Please go on.
1: Oh, no, I was just going to say, and I think the reason uh, the, the guy who did that is because, he, you know, from what I understand, he's not entirely popular in the office himself because he's uh, he was brought in to do a number of things which he hasn't done and has been told that there's targets he has to reach by the end of the year. And I think that often he feels, I don't know, I kind of got the sense that he, takes the st- he took the stress out on me in that way. But I, I don't know. That's pure speculation on that point.
0: Right, right, right. And uh, you may or may not be aware, and this is my theory, yeah, no, but but could be right, could be wrong, you may or may not be aware of the degree to which you are fighting passive aggression within yourself. Passive aggression uh, is um, uh, is a way of, of course, uh, humiliating and frustrating those in charge, and uh, it is also a way of, of recreating situations of humiliation for us and so on. You know, when the unconscious is with us, there's almost nothing we can't do, and when the unconscious is against us, there's almost nothing we can do, right? So when it comes to finding typos, there's an unconscious process. Um, you have to, I mean, because you're doing this automatic comparison to an ideal spelling or the perfect spelling or whatever, or the grammar or the sentence structure or the logical flow. You can't do that by mapping it out. It is a kind of unconscious, artistic, semi-artistic process. And if you, no, if you, right? So if you don't like the people that you're working for, then you will get this kind of even Denisevich Russian serf resentment towards the whole process. And and yet at the same time, you will want to get it right because you will be existing in a state of fear, right? But you will also resent existing in that state of fear, and therefore you will uh, uh, not do quality work, right?
1: Right. So kind of like in your, your, your slave master metaphor, uh, kind of as a passive-aggressive thing, I just started doing things that required more and more micromanagement to the point where he
0: was basically serving me
1: in a sense, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, you were attempting to recreate in them the feeling that that you were experiencing, which was, you know, frustration, annoyance, and, and, and so on, right? You you, you know, Obviously, by doing a bad job, you're putting them in a difficult situation. I'm not saying they shouldn't be there, right? But, you know, you're in a difficult situation because you've got all these nasty people around and you can't Speak the truth, and you can't ask questions in alignment with your philosophy. Um, and so it's like, do it to me, I'll do it back, right? Right, right. That
1: makes, that makes a lot of sense. And in the only way I can, because I'm not a manager, so I can't, well, I, I, I kind of was, but I wasn't their manager, and so I couldn't yell at them, right? <laughs> you know,
0: so, and I well, wouldn't have anyway, it would have probably just been passive aggressive, even then, but. Right. And uh, I understand, I mean, I certainly don't condemn any of this, right? I totally understand it. To, to a small degree, I mean, I have, have the same thing with the true news stuff, right? Because there seem to be a, a bunch of hobbyists who circle around looking for any perceivable, conceivable errors in the true news uh, or, or you know, contradictory information and then sort of jump on me. And so I was doing another true news and I was like, you know, geez, I should triple check all of this stuff. And you know, I was like, no, fuck them, right? <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Right, uh, I'm right. going to do a reasonable amount of checking. I'm going to you know, always try to get two sources that are not someone's blog and all that kind of stuff. But I'm not going to sit there and uh, spend the rest of the day out of fear of, of people attacking me, uh, triple-checking every conceivable source, right?
1: Right, right. Because and I'm just
0: not going to let nasty trolls run my day, right?
1: Right, and that's exactly what I was doing with the articles. was just I was spending... And I was feeling so much anxiety every time I I click, you know, publish. You know,
0: it was. Just... Oh yeah, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. I certainly I can completely understand that. I've been in situations um, where it it feels like I have an alternate an alternate personality that is waking up in the middle of the night and making errors in work that I've triple checked already. Right. And there's incredible feeling of helplessness and anger and frustration and humiliation because it just feels like you can't get anything right. And uh, you feel that yourself starting to slide down this, you know, slippery, gravelly slope of endless error causing stress, which causes more error, which causes more stress and, you know, that kind of stuff, right? Right, right. That's absolutely And that occurs when you don't like the people that you're working for. Yeah. So I, I kind of just I- wanted to, to give you that, um, to give you that. Perspective, which I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't solve everything, right? But but I just wanted to sort of provide that to you to give you some sense of context about what happened. Because when you say I'm so sad because I got fired, well, uh, I you know I would actually reframe that, and I think quite justly too, to say something like this. <laughs> it's not I'm so sad because I got fired. It's you know this was really great because I managed to get a whole bunch of extra pay working at a place when I quit quite some time ago. Right, right. That's a really good point. Right, because right, there's I no way out. you would have stayed there.
1: What do you mean, sorry? There's no
0: way I would there's, have stayed there. There's this. no way you would have stayed there. Right. No way. Like Seriously, would you have stayed there for 20 years? Oh, no. no. Right, so you, you didn't want to be there. And yet you managed to get a bunch of pay, uh, extract some very interesting self-knowledge, and, uh, you know, get some therapy, which you, of course, paid for with the money these jerks were giving you, right? Yep. So, uh, you know, you got more experience, you learned more about the kind of environments that you can be productive in. Because uh, philosophy is all about expanding choice, and expanding choice and freedom is really about understanding where we don't have choice and freedom, right? And, And we don't have the freedom to be enthusiastic for evil when we become virtuous. And again, I'm using the term evil here rather loosely. It was just, say, corruption or nastiness or whatever, but you understand what I mean, right?
1: No, no, I really do, yeah.
0: If you study virtue, you simply cannot be enthusiastic about corrupt environments. You just can't be. You might want to be, but you can't be.
1: I guess my question is, how do I avoid getting into a situation like this in the future, then?
0: Well, by studying... The immediate past and the distant past, right? <laughs> right, right, because the, the, right. There is, you know the concept of secondary gains, right? Which is, what do you get out of these environments? Sure. In yes. other words, what uh, what did you avoid by not quitting? Um,
1: I think I avoided... Uh, Solitude, to, to one
0: degree. Um, I'm sorry, could, you just, mean by surrounding yourself with corrupt and nasty people you avoided Yeah. solitude? Not quite following that one, but perhaps you Well,
1: because could... um, I was getting quite... Um, after my my, uh, my ex and I split up, I was getting quite uh, kind of very, very uh, incredibly lonely, actually, in, in my flat alone. Um, and it was you know, shortly after my holiday ended up for Christmas, which... When I started going into the office more regularly and actually, actually being there, and I think the fact that there were just people there, um, was I don't know. I think that was something that I found value in, or at least uh, maybe even maybe it was just uh, a case of me trying to get them to value me, which alleviated some sort of anxiety about that. But.
0: well what anxiety, right? What because because clearly saying I'm. I'm so uncomfortable with myself that I'm going to surround myself with corrupt people is not a statement of self-esteem, right? No, that's very true. I don't think it is. Right. Um, So what, uh, I mean, and, and this is an extreme way of putting it and I certainly don't mean to put you in this category objectively, but I mean, this is a, a codependent people would rather be in an abusive relationship than spend time with themselves.
1: Right. Right. And that, that could potentially be the category I'm in. Um, I wouldn't necessarily describe my old relationship as abusive uh, entirely, but it certainly um, wasn't working and that is a relationship which to to many degrees I would find yeah, i I still want to be in
0: right right, so, and that means that uh, uh, that 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 for you the exercise of self assertion the exercise of making choices in accordance with your deepest desires and highest values is uh, the equivalent of uh, dying. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, that is not hyperbole, at least in my opinion or in my perspective. it uh, It is a historical reality that we have all experienced if we've come from these kinds of households that self-assertion acting in accordance with our deepest desires and our highest values is uh, death. In other words we are terrified of parental abandonment or attack that might lead to injury or death should we consistently and energetically act in accordance with our deepest desires and highest values.
1: I think that makes, I mean, that certainly makes a lot of sense. Because I mean, one of the things I kind of realized over a period of time was, you know, if as a kid I had I had uh, tried to stand up for myself by maybe going to someone and saying, "Hey, look, ha- look at the way my mum behaves," um, I have literally no clue how she would respond to,
0: other than potentially getting more drunk and doing something really stupid. Well, um, yeah, I, I mean, you throw alcohol into the mix, right? Through alcohol, mental illness, uh, you know, extreme rage problems. I mean, children get hurt and killed in these kinds of situations, right? Babies know this, right? Because you can break the will of a baby through abandonment or physical force uh, very, very quickly. Because uh, you know, babies... (laughs) You know, if you shake a baby, you can you can kill a baby uh, or render it uh, extremely physically damaged, both physically and mentally, within about five seconds, right? Yes, yes. And so babies that uh, uh, did not have the ability to process parental rage and change their behavior just died, right?
1: Right, because they infuriated their parents to the point where they they killed them.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't say that uh, when when a gazelle is running away from a lion that it's being cowardly, right? No, no. That's what it's programmed to do, because those that didn't have that programming ended up as uh, muffin tops around lion swimming trunks or something, right? Yeah, no, and and, and, and
1: I think that's absolutely right, and it's just uh, it has been something I've been really... Which I could find out is how I was treated as, you know, as an infant. But um, that's, I mean,
0: to me, this is, um, uh, this is easy, right? Which is, uh, if if you have a big scar that exactly matches a knife, you don't need footage of being stabbed, right? <laughs>
1: right. That's that's a good,
0: yeah. That's right. And, and the scar that you have is self-assertion equals uh, that you respond to self-assertion. As you would respond to jumping out of an airplane, right? And this is really important for people to understand. This is why this conversation, I think, is 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 important. Well, very important. More so even than most, is that people, you know, you've read this on the board and and you've heard this in shows, right? People say, well, when I sat down to do X, whatever it was, right, that had to do with some kind of self-assertion, I, I literally felt like I was going to be sick. Uh, my hands were were sweating and shaking. Uh, I felt nauseous, right? Do you understand, right?
1: No, no, totally. That's the experience I've had in, in uh, oddly enough, in press conferences when uh, I've been having to,
0: you know, when you have to raise your hand, say where you're from, and ask a question. That's that's totally the experience I have there. Right. So you understand that is the scar tissue that arises from the fear of uh, injury or death. Right. right. And this is, it's you know, it's very important that we not, Apply labels. I'm not saying you have, but this is just in general that we not apply labels to these kinds of reactions, you know? Right, like like cowardice or I'm insecure. Whatever. I'm cowardly. I I'm just not good at standing up for myself and blah blah blah. Right. Right. No, that makes that makes
1: that makes total sense to me. Not to do. Right. That. I mean,
0: if if somebody has his arm amputated, he doesn't say, you know, yeah. I'm 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 really bad at clapping. Right. Right and again i'm not talking amputation but uh, as we've talked about in in the past all threats uh, that involve physical violence or, or abandonment for children are essentially threats of death right
1: yeah no no i i,
0: I yeah i understand that i
1: mean in a sense they hardwired babies are hardwired to respond that way
0: of course yeah absolutely because you know the biological imperative is not to be happy but to reproduce right right there is no biological imperative to standing up to corruption Or standing up to you, the biological imperative is do what you need to do to survive. And I can tell you, uh, with you know even a smidgen of authority now, having been a father for the grand total of four and a bit months, that babies have incredible willpower and self. They are naturally self-assertive. Isabella is incredibly assertive, naturally. We didn't teach her that. She is strong-willed. She has a ferocious focus and desire for things. She is inconsolable when she doesn't get what she wants. And, of course, she is at the age where you would never deny her anything that she wants, right? Because she's a baby, right? Right. And she is... um, And with that fierce assertiveness, which is a beautiful thing to see, though it is saddening at the same time, because it reminds both Christina and I what was amputated from us, right? but with that comes also a fierce happiness and a fierce affection and in a sense uh, if if that
1: i guess if those kind of deep emotions are taken away from you on a, on that base level you don't have the you don't you don't have the positive sides in a sense
0: yeah you can't be uh, loving without being assertive because you can never be sure if you're there out of fear or desire right That's, that's why. That's, so, that's why weird. we have to face this this chasm of death, right? We have to kind of throw ourselves in the coffin in order to come back to life, because the history of the fear of attack, certainly in your situation, that seems to be very much the uh, the case, right? Because there was physical uh, violence. So that is an important thing to understand. That uh, that is. Oh, sorry, I'm just having a bit of trouble hearing
1: because there's a ringing really noise.
0: Yes. Um, well that that is where where you were as a child which is you, you feared this attack and, and there was no way to know or in fact there probably was right but how far would it go would they would they then stop and say okay well we're not going to go any further well you had no guarantee of that because you saw nothing but escalation until you crumbled right 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 and the
1: memory that keeps popping up in my head when you say this is uh, me and my sister in the the back of a
0: car, absolutely terrified while my mom's driving around drunk, bumping into things. Right, right. And if you say something, she's going to get more angry and you're going to be at more risk, right? Yeah, yeah. And again, I, well, this, I, I'm i trying not to, I always try never to layer my own experience on, onto others. But my experience, you know, when my, when I tried to run away when I was four or five years old and my mother would, she picked me up bodily and, and slammed my head repeatedly against the front door. I mean, I just, I can completely, clearly remember just going limp. Because I that's knew so that if I resisted, I would likely die. I think that's kind of the case I had when, uh when
1: kind of I, I stopped my mom, you know, uh, from going after my sister. It's just, uh, just, after I got in front of her, it was just a point of, again, kind of just Freezing and letting her just slam the door and, and leave and just waiting in the room. Tom, my dad came home, which I guess kind of he was kind of the um, the, the catcher that stopped us getting away
0: in a sense because we'd always be kind of like, okay, well, let's just wait around until dad gets home. So. Right, right. So yeah, I mean, this this is I think I mean I think this this is important that the secondary gains are. I mean, historically, uh, assertiveness would it would equal physical danger and extreme physical danger, right? Yes. And and you don't you don't uh, uh, as a, just as a basic biological organism, right? You don't uh, an antelope who's running away from a lion doesn't just sit there and say, "Well, maybe the lion just wants to play." Can't take that chance, right?
1: Right. Because once so,
0: die. <laughs> Well, because if he's wrong, he's dead, right? right? And and what's the upside of being right? Playing yeah. with a lion? Living. Well, that's actually kind of dangerous, right? Because the next time you might want to play and the lion's hungry. So, uh, and, and the reason that I'm saying sure. all of that is that I did not, you know, when I was getting my head pounded against the door, I didn't sit there and say, well, maybe the next... One will be when she finds her level of remorse. Maybe the next one is where she'll stop. Right. But you you, you can't afford to take that chance as a child, right? No, I totally can't.
1: So you... So yeah, you basically learn to roll over. When, when you, you, you
0: go limp. You roll over. You appease. You. I mean, because you're programmed to live, right? And you can't take the risk. And you know, if your mum's driving around drunk and and is willing to do that, then clearly uh, she is all kinds of uh, uh, physically dangerous, right? Totally. I mean, yeah, she she totally
1: was. I mean. I mean, sometimes, I mean, she had, like, to, she'd drink sometimes to the point where she'd have seizures and have to go to hospital, and um, I remember one time she, uh, she got delirious and escaped the hospital, and, uh, and I remember, like, my dad went out driving in the middle of the night trying to find her, along with a bunch of, kind of, borderlies, and uh, just, I remember being absolutely terrified, standing by my front door, kind of, like, even te- tempted to keep the baseball bat near me just in case mum turned up and was crazy.
0: No, I totally understand and I hope you understand that I'm I know I'm not expressing a lot of sympathy but I mean we've talked about this before but there's a huge amount of sympathy for this absolutely terrifying environment and it's also important to remember I think that this is a society you live in a society where healthcare workers were entirely cognizant of your mother's absolutely brutal alcoholism. Yeah, yeah. And, and, well, and what did they do?
1: The same as what everybody else did, which was which was nothing.
0: Right, which was ignorance. Right. So, uh, it, I mean, I think it's really important to to deal with the immediate family issues, of course, but it's it's equally important and and in many ways more important as adults. To recognize that we are now moving out into a world that um, let all of this happen to us, right? Right, right. Because because the the standard psychological model is, well, you had a tough time as a kid, but you don't want to confuse the world with what happened to you as a kid, right? But I, I think that psychological model is fundamentally flawed. Because there was a world around us when we were kids that did let it happen. And there were people who took an oath to protect people. And knew, A, that your mother was piss-blind drunk to the point of hospitalization, that your father let it happen, that there were children in the picture and did nothing. To protect you, right? In the same way, my, my mother was institutionalized, and no one did anything to protect me. When I was twelve, right? Yeah, I mean
1: that's 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 the only that's the only point I've ever actually been able to feel anger is the thought that you know I lived in a tiny apartment next door, neighbors could hear my mum screaming and carrying on the way she did.
0: Oh, it's uh, the same same was true of me. Absolutely, they could hear uh, hear her from the street.
1: Right, right. And, and like, my mom would be kind of like, so when we were living in the States for a couple of years, you know, they'd have that whole uh, uh, is it PTA thing where um, parents sometimes come in to do jobs around the school, and she'd be just off her face there, you know, just right. kind of
0: flapping about. And again, like, none of these people said anything. Right, right. And this is the society that claims itself to be so virtuous, right? That right. We have a welfare state, you see, to protect the children, but we all went through this hellacious series of concentration camps as children and everybody just left us there to rot and fend for ourselves, right?
1: Yeah. I, and I, that's I, why I, it's
0: just impossible to believe in the virtue of society. Right? because. I, I, one, one memory that popped
1: in my head, which I didn't actually remember until, uh, uh, I think, a few weeks ago, um, was I remember as a kid, like, it was during the height of my mum's my problems, and I was just riding my bike around town and, and for whatever happened my bike fell over. But I wasn't I wasn't hurt at all. I, I remember feeling fine. But I remember just refusing to get up and just um starting to cry and pretend like I was hurt to see if anybody would would help me or say or okay. see
0: if I was okay. Sure. And no one no one did. Right. Now I remember even not to put I mean this is not the same category, but when we would play war as kids, uh, I would often uh, pretend to be shot and wounded to see if anybody would help me, and I mean they didn't. <laughs> I mean, and it's 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 tragic and it's awful, and this is just the state that society is in, and it hasn't changed. We're not exactly a generation apart, but we're not that far, and it hasn't changed from when I was a kid. It hasn't changed uh, from when you were a kid, and we have people even younger who it hasn't changed for either. Right? This is just where society is stuck; that it's much. Easier to pompously proclaim your own virtue, particularly when it comes to taxation and statism. Um, but uh, children can be regularly attacked, assaulted, and brutalized uh, within the hearing distance of everyone, and uh, no one does anything, right? And and they cower and they hide, and then they go out and talk about how virtuous they are because they vote, right? And and you know, you you there's still uh, archetypical stories of, of people like some woman getting raped in New York in in view of you know 20 apartments and no one called. And, and people are like, oh my God, this is shocking. And it's like, but that happens once a decade. I mean, it happens millions of times a day with children. Yeah, no, no it really does. So this, this, this idea that we have this microcosm of the family as children and then we go out into the world and we're supposed to uh, understand the world is different from our family is empirically entirely false, right? As, as children, we fully understand that we live in a society, because there are lots of people around, we see the news, we go to school, we have teachers, we have doctors, we have healthcare workers, we have priests, we have uh, a huge uh, extended family. We, we know, we get that we live in a society. So the idea that, that that what happened to us in our family should never have any relation to what happens to us or how we perceive society when we get older is insane. And it's a way of blaming children when they grow up for having problems with society by saying, well, but that's and your yeah. family, society is different. It's like, no, 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 no. My family could only do what they did because society was entirely complicit.
1: Right. Right. So I'm trying to... am um, not sure what's, what, what's going on for me, I'm just trying to... I don't, I don't know if, it's, if, if, if I should or not, but I'm just try, trying to tie it back to, to the work situation well and, um, the,
0: the, 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 let's say that the people in your work situation had been living in your apartment building, or as the French say, your block of flats uh, when when you were a kid, right these people who laugh at someone's getting fired at someone getting fired when he's going through a divorce, if they had heard right. your mother screaming and all the violence and so on, would they have rushed over like concerned and moral citizens to intervene and put a stop to it? No, no, they would have made jokes about my mom. At one point or another, but that's about it. A... Right. 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 Your mother would have been a, a, a cartoon laughing stock of, you know, the, the drunken housefrau, right? Right.
1: Totally.
0: Right. right. So, so the people who were in your work environment are exactly the same, moral, I mean, roughly, right? To just paint again with a broad brush, but they're pretty much the same as the people who um, were complicit in your abuse as a kid, right? Because if your mother's blind drunk, we can at least say that in that moment she doesn't have a lot of personal responsibility. I mean, she's responsible for drinking, she's responsible for having children, but she's not entirely in control of her faculties at that point, right? No, totally. I, I agree and with so, that. So the moral responsibility falls to your neighbors who aren't drunk, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and my school and when I, yeah, the, the And the healthcare church. workers and, uh, of course, your yeah. father most importantly, but... um. But in that moment, right? In, in And and for years, you waited for the only For years, you waited for the knock at the door with somebody expressing even the slightest hint of moral outrage at children being regularly attacked and assaulted in an enclosed environment with other people down the hall with walls pressing up against yours, perfectly able to hear. For years, you waited for that knock on the door uh, and your mother to be restrained by some caring citizen anywhere on the planet, right? Yeah, totally. And we all waited for that. And none of us ever heard it. And you know all of this deep down. This is the world that you live in. I mean, I'm sad that it's the world that we live in. I wish it were different, but it's not. That is the empirical facts of the world that we live in we have i have not heard one person who went through loud child abuse uh, in this conversation and lord knows we've heard from a few right uh, i've not ever heard of anyone who said ah but uh, but then so and so intervened you know a teacher uh, you know really went to child services and stuck it out and got uh, my parents into parenting courses. Got my dad into anger management courses. The cops did this. The social workers did that. The teachers did the other. The priest did that. The the, the doctor, the nurses, the whoever, right?
1: Yeah, no, that's um, that was uh, that's, that's the one thing I've actually been able to. I think you know, I kind of got really angry at one. I, I remember at one point getting really angry about that kind of early on in therapy and just uh, getting quite. Getting, you know, kind of reaching this like level of frustration and irritation and sadness and anger, or kind of all at once about that issue that, like, suddenly realizing
0: that everyone knew. Like, because I always kind of thought it was a secret, or at least I yeah. told myself it was a secret. It's a complete, so. it's a, absolutely not a secret. You know, they, they, they say, oh, we're good behind closed doors and this and that. It's like, okay, yeah, maybe if you're living in the woods or in some gated community on the dark side of the moon, you can talk about, but behind, there are no behind closed doors in most of the environments that we grew up in. Everybody knew everything right right the extended family knew the neighbors knew the teachers knew cuz kids have very clear signs of of abuse very clear signs and uh yeah people people don't do anything and look i mean with with all of that we can kind of understand why because abusive parents can really turn as i've had some experience with can really turn on people who try to help their children right it's like trying to take the gazelle away from the hungry lion, right? The lion attacks you, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we can say, well, you know, from them. But, of course, an anonymous phone call wouldn't have killed anyone, right? It's it's more than just I don't want to get involved because you can make this. You can tape record it and you can make an anonymous phone call or you can mail it anonymously to child services and saying this is what I heard, right? There's ways to do it that, that take maybe 20 yeah. minutes. And also, like, what what really got me angry was no one even bothered to to go up
1: to me and my sister, not even in the hospital, right, and just say, are you you okay, you know? Sure.
0: No one even thought that would be appropriate. Right. 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 And that is, you know, that is the empirical reality of the world that we're living in. And you may say and people may make the argument just by the by and say well of course people at FDR don't talk about people who interviewed and in intervened in their child abuse, those who talk about it because those who did get such intervention don't end up talking about it on FDR. But uh, And I talk about this in in the book that's coming up and and it's, it's simply not true and, and there's lots of empirical reasons as to why. Uh, we just, we do live in a society where the protection of children uh, is not even considered. Uh, and, and that's why to me people saying well Gosh, in a free society, how will children be protected? It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Right, right. Are you fucking kidding me?
1: It seems, it seems almost it, it, that seems almost like a, a
0: perverse statement to make. Oh, it's completely perverse. It's 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 completely insane.
1: That, I, I the question that just pops into my head now, and it's it's again one I think you kind of. Um, briefly mentioned earlier on. It's like, well, how how then do I find a job where I'm not going to respond in the way of just self-sabotaging, in a sense, to get myself to, to get myself out of it?
0: Well, but but and this is again, this is part of what we talked about earlier. Like you drop the penny and it has to go binary. Yeah. I do, I can't. There's no way that I can give you the answer to that. But I can tell you. I can tell you. That you need to examine and process this stuff before you can even really think of asking that question. Right, I'm because the- what's happening is you're in the woods and you're just getting a glimmering of how lost you are and then you're saying, well, where should I go? And it's like, well, no, no, no. You've got to figure out that you're actually lost and then you've got to plot a destination. Then you've got to figure out how to get there. Then you've got to buy a compass. And I know this is annoying, right? And I'm not saying you you just got to sit there staring at a blank spot of wall. In the meantime, you can do stuff, but this... Is where you need to uh, put your concentration, in my opinion, at the moment. This is what you need to process. This is what you need to relax and understand, because there is no quick fix, right? There is no snap your fingers and big bango, bombo, here you go, right? No, I think yes, I think that's
1: entirely right, and and that's part of the reason. Like you know, I, I kind of briefly mentioned to you before the call was, I think anger has a lot to do with this, because I've gotten through to this really deep sadness uh, about what happened to me as a kid, and and and. And I can reflect that, and it's you know, and, and journaling has helped tremendously with that. But when I try to access the anger, and and I tried to do that in therapy today, I
0: just, I just couldn't. It just suddenly all emotion left. But why do you have to access anger? That doesn't seem to me very curious. It seems like you're saying I have a destination, and therefore my unconscious needs to provide to me that right. Right. And, you know, with all due respect to your, you know, great emotional sensitivity and intelligence, you also had a quote destination called, I need to stay in this corrupt environment, right? In your work. That's absolutely true.
1: That's, that's, yes, that's
0: spot on. Right. So, and, so I would, I would myself, and this is really hard, right, for us strong willed people, uh, I would really uh, hesitate to, to, order my unconscious to take me to a destination at the moment, you might not have a lot of credibility with your Miko system right now.
1: No, that's that's absolutely true.
0: Because they were telling you pretty clearly to get the fuck out of your job, right? Yes, they have. And and, and when you say order my unconscious, uh, after the train ride they've given me, I don't think I can order them to do anything. Oh you can, but you just won't get anywhere, right? You can order them It's like, okay, we're gonna stay in this job. It's like fine, spell checker goes on strike, fine, sentence guy goes on strike, fine, assertiveness guy goes on strike, and we'll be depressed. But yeah, you can order us around if you want.
1: So, yes, it seems
0: uh I, I it's I can't help but find humour
1: in the idea that I would that I've been trying to order myself around.
0: But it's true, right? And and, and that's, that's why, totally it, when true. I said at the beginning of the call, depression is a kind of strike. It comes from being authoritarian with yourself, right? And thinking you've got all the answers and your unconscious needs to provide it.
1: No, that's that's very true. It's
0: very true. And whenever and I, you order anyone, you get passive aggression. And that's what depression is, right? And I think...
1: Um, I'm trying to figure out why it suddenly happened. And I'm, I think it must have something to do with, with uh, my ex and I splitting up to, as to why... It happened then, maybe just because that was kind of an emotional kick in the backside. To an well, extent.
0: I would guess, and I, I don't want to get into, because we've been on the phone for a while, I don't want to get into your whole oh, yeah, relationship sorry. thing, but where I would look is to say, I bet you you ordered yourself to be with this girl against your unconscious desires.
1: It's potentially very, very true.
0: Well, it um, would, it, it, there's no one pattern in life, right? It's not like, well, I'm this way at work and I was completely unconscious of it. Not to say completely, but largely unconscious of it. But I was completely the opposite way in my relationships, right? Because we're the same person, right? Right, right. So whatever that's I'm so... talking about at work, you just replay this and talk about, you know, insert girlfriend here, right? Right. That's that's, that's a really, really helpful way. <laughs> that's <laughs> a really, really helpful way of doing this. And
1: and uh and and thank you very much. Especially about the reminding oh. me that I'm Kind of trying to command my conscious, uh, my unconscious, to do something for me, which is not, not how it's going to work, and is kind of how I got in trouble in the first place.
0: Right, it's 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 a complex dance, right? Sometimes we lead, sometimes the ecosystem leads, and sometimes we don't know who's leading, but we feel like we're going in the right direction. There is this is why philosophy is very valuable uh, in terms of giving structure and logic. Uh, to to what we're doing, but psychology is equally important. And uh, you know Freud's statement that the the ego is not master in its own house. I used to find that so offensive when I was younger and much more in the objectivist side of thing, which is you know <laughs> taking your marching orders from Rand the imperious, right? right. Uh, which is not not healthy, right? But uh, it is a real dance, right? The physical, uh, and I talk about this in I don't know if you've read The God of Atheists, but I talk about this in. Uh, yeah, the- I have. Yeah, so, you know, the, the body submits endlessly, but uh, resists endlessly. It's like Gandhi, right? Which is why you're getting colds, which is why you can't concentrate, which is why you feel depressed. This is the passive aggression that involves, that results from us ordering ourselves around. Right, and right. Then, then the next thing, because we're binary when we're depressed, so the next thing we say is, oh, okay, so I should let my unconscious order me around? <laughs> like, no, 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 it's a, it's a relationship which means there's the division of labor, there's specialization in different situations, right? So uh, in certain situations, um, such as, I don't know, working out how you should drive somewhere, your unconscious isn't really going to help you very much, right? Because you uh, go and type stuff in and so on, right? But in terms of sussing out uh, or figuring out a a social situation or a, a potentially romantic situation or trying to get to the root of someone's personality within a few seconds of meeting them, your conscious mind can do fuck all of that situation. That's all down to the unconscious, right? So it's oh. just about understanding the division of labor and the specialization. You know, remembering that I can't process my urine. That's why I have kidneys, right? And let them do that job, and I'll focus on yammering away on the internet, right?
1: That's that's no, that's a really good point, and I think I mean it's 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 uplifting because I, I I don't feel like uh I. Kind of, it's kind of taking the little uh personal development schedule i wrote out for myself and say actually no you know uh kind of I'll, you know be more um be more willing to you know, ask my unconscious to do to reveal things to me not demand it to do things for me
0: yeah yeah i mean the the the, the, the your lowered immune system your cortisol production is trying to tell you something And I swear to to you, this is is absolutely true, not that I haven't been absolutely true before. When I have been sick in the past, and I have learned the lessons of that illness, which is not to say that all illness is is this, but in terms of, you know, when you're generally healthy, but, you know, you get these annoying little things. I, I literally have thanked my illness for helping me to understand something. And that is, uh, I mean, it's not like you want to be ill, but if you're going to be ill, learn what it's trying to tell you, right? And, uh, of course, stress is the great silent killer, and stress arises from uh, attempting to dominate that which can't be dominated, which is the self, the unconscious, the ecosystem, right? And uh, and not giving it free expression. And the last thing that I'll say, just to, to, (laughs) to, to, to close off here, if that's all right with you, the last thing that I would say is to remember that you are in a larger contextual situation because the other thing about depression is, is you kind of collapse in on yourself, right? It's harder to look at the world as a whole. Yeah. It comes about your thoughts, your experiences, your sensations, you know, you kind of picking at your own scabs, right? Rather than looking at the big picture. No, I think that's, that's a very accurate way of putting it. So I just sort of would remind you that, um, what what is occurring for you? And this is all stuff, you know, that I talked about in the opening two, two paragraphs of my very first book, right? The thing that this 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 all messes up everything, right? This, uh, um, uh, this this philosophical exploration and examination, and you are part of, as we all are, part of a, a movement towards truth and virtue and honesty and integrity that has historically been 5,000 years in the making and has recently exploded because of the technology that we have available to us and the quality of the conversations like this one, right? The the participants and what it is that I'm doing and the conference calls and uh, the chat room and, right, we have this, um, you know, philosophy has been gathering its strength uh, for 5,000 years and now it's come pouring out through this conversation because of the technology that we have, which is as important to what we're doing as the printing press was to to Protestantism, right? Or to the Reformation. And so what you're doing here is not, you know, me, my history, and my job. It is, and I'm not trying to diminish that and say that you shouldn't ever focus on that, because again, that would be binary. But to remember that the struggle to bring virtue to a corrupt world, to bring truth to a world that lies so, so habitually it doesn't even really experience it as lying, is a huge and great challenge and there is an inward-looking exploration and uh, exhumation of past crimes that is really really essential but there is also a larger context that it's not just about uh, you your history and your mom and your job but it is about doing all of this so that we can evolve into stronger creatures so we don't have to spend the rest of eternity like lemmings beneath the feet of dinosaurs just trying to find some way to survive and not get trodden on, right? But to gain a certain amount of strength so that we can begin to will the world back towards truth, which it is constantly veering away from, right? So to deal with the depression and to deal with the, the history is really, really important, but it is part of a larger context that uh, you know, the world as a whole needs to heal. Society as a whole needs to heal, and we are kind of foot soldiers in that combat. And uh, that you you train so that you can fight. If that makes any sense. No, that makes a lot
1: of sense. Um, that really makes a lot of sense. And I, I really appreciate the, the time taken to to chat with me about this. It's been it's been really really helpful. Um, I don't feel <laughs> I feel very good. I don't feel uh, I don't feel sad at all. Really, at the moment right now, I kind of feel uh, kinda quite. Quite relieved I'm out of there and uh, looking forward to spending the next month mulling
0: over options of places to go, but also uh, working on myself. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate this. Uh, do you have any problem with this being posted? Um, I have no problem with it being posted. Oh, wow, fantastic. Thank you so much. And, and of course, as always, just just please let us know uh, how it goes and particularly how it goes next week with your new opportunity.
1: Yeah, I will do. Thanks very much. Uh, yeah, again, appreciate it.
0: Thanks, man. Bye.
1: Bye.